how do I live up to that gracious day? Hey, welcome to church this morning. Uh, man, today's going to be an exciting day. Before we get into God's Word, man, I really want to do three things. Man, I just want to just inform you a little bit about what's happening today, include you in on that, and inspire you that God is changing lives, and this message can absolutely produce something in your life today. But maybe you've walked in here like, dude, it's superhero day today. Like, what in the world is going on? By the way, today's message is brought to you by Stark Industries. You may not be able to see it. Tony Stark is here on the building. Um, be like, man, what in the world is going on in here? Everything seems so new. Man, if that's you and you're like, today's the first day I've ever been here, or I've been coming here for a little while, maybe at some point in time you're like, you know what? I think I want to say hello. I think I want to take the first step and say hello, I'm having a great time, tell me a little bit more about Radiate Church. Man, if that's you, there's gonna be a card, it's gonna be on the back of the seat in front of you. If, man, if you're one of our online family right now, you're gonna see a link in the chat. And that's just your way to get to say hello. And what we'd love for you to do is take that card if you're physically here, stop by the White Connect Center 10 as you exit the experience. We got a gift for you, it's like one of our love languages here. If you're online, we're gonna be able to send you something as well. But man, we want the chance to say hello to you, and that's how you can do it. Maybe you've been hanging out for a little while, and you're progressively taking some steps. Maybe you would say, hey, I want to let everybody know I came back, man. I'm a second-time guest. Would you take that same card and just check the box that says second-time guest, take it back by the Connect Center, because, man, we want to do something in honor of you hanging out, letting us host you and your family again. So what we do around here is we actually give $5 to a ministry called Vapor Ministry. So their whole heart is to be able to share the gospel um, with a lot of different people groups. They operate in Africa and in Central America. And to be able to have the opportunity to share the gospel, what they do is they come into local communities and say, hey, what can we do for you? What can we do to build trust and to be able to build relationships with you? And because of that, you know, thousands of people last year gave their lives to Jesus all because of that. And so your simple, hey, I'm back, is a way for us to be able to help continue ministry out there. A couple more things. Um, today is a special day, and you're like, well, of course we got Tony Stark. That's not it. Um, believe it or not, Pastor Brandon turned 25 years old again today. Can we get some noise? Hey, how about this? How about this? Hey, everybody, even online, on the count of three, can everybody just yell, happy birthday, Pastor Brandon? Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Pastor Brandon. And y'all, he even snuck in here today, too, so we are, today's going to be a treat. Pastor, we love you. Thank you for giving us another year of ministry. We love all the things that we get to see, but one of the things that we really love the most is all the unseen sacrifice you have. We, we are th so thankful for another year of ministry with you. But hey, before we get to today's message, let's just pray. Um, here's the reason why. So I was thinking about this message yesterday, praying for the prayer we're gonna pray today. I know it's like inception. Um, and I was thinking for a minute, and one of the things I was thinking about was like, God, there are probably some like cracks in some crevices in our life, man, we've gotten really hard, but there's still an opportunity to get in there. And what I really pray is that when we hear this message today, I don't care if it's just one thing you hear. I'm being free right now. I don't care if it's one thing. I just want that one thing to invade that crack and begin to really tear down some hardness and maybe some areas in our life where we really didn't have a lot of life. And that was my prayer yesterday. This message is as much for me. So I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get after it. You guys can go ahead and bow your heads right wherever you're at. Lord, we thank you for your word. You, you say that your word doesn't return voice. If we spend time studying it, God, we're going to leave better today than we came. God, we pray that, that you just help kind of instigate change when it comes to this idea of rest, God, that our, our lives truly are chaotic. 
And God, we're praying that just you show us things today we can put into practice that will begin to transform our life and we can experience rest in this lifetime. And man, you left a blueprint for us to experience rest for all time. We pray that those things are illuminated and it's in your name and by your spirit, I pray, amen. Hey, high five somebody next to you. Tell them you're glad to see them. Man, we're getting back at it, y'all. Thank you, band. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, appreciate you. Yeah, so that's like the question we've been talking about for two weeks, right? It's like, hey, how in the world do I enjoy my life when it seems so chaotic? And I don't say anything else for the rest of the day that you can agree with. Everybody's like, amen, I agree with that, Pastor. How do I enjoy my life when it seems so chaotic? And we said chaos defined is complete disorder and confusion. And as we talked about it and teased it out last Sunday, we realized that's actually not how God operates. That's not his character. That's not his heart. As a matter of fact, it's a tool our enemy, the Satan, uses to distract us from what God really has for our life and God's intended purpose and plan for our life. And we said, hey, if you're experiencing chaos, if you, like, were to do this little inventory of your life and you're like, man, it's a mess, stuff's happening all over the place, we said there could be a couple red flags. You may be a couple red flags that you need to be on the lookout for. So if you missed last week, I'm going to catch you up in like a minute, right? One of the red flags is you probably don't have an anchor point. So one of the themes in our Bibles is that there's, the, the, the chaos is kind of like, um, it's kind of like water and waves just going back and forth. And we even sang about that in a minute, that, that God is somebody that we can anchor to in those waves. Because if we don't anchor to him, anything else we anchor to is actually going to be moving along with the rest of the world. It's not a sure anchor point. But perhaps we have that fully formed relationship with Jesus. We said the second red flag is maybe things are just out of order. Right? You, you have a relationship with God, but you just got some things out of order. You've actually kind of re- replaced him with you probably somewhere in your life, and you're kind of God in a couple areas, and he's not. And we can easily give him that control and let him put things back into order. The third thing is we said that, you know, what happens in our minds tends to come out in our lives. So chaotic life may mean chaotic thoughts, right? And that we need God to help us um, catch our thoughts, check our thoughts, and change our thoughts. And then lastly, the one that we all could relate to, right? Maybe the biggest red flag of why we experience chaos and all this disorder and what in the world is going on is, man, we're simply tired, y'all. We are in the red. Remember, we said we can take our vacations, we can take our downtime, but if we're really not doing it God's way, no amount of vacation will ever leave us rested and restored. And that's kind of where we left off last week. So today's message, man, that's all we're going to talk about today is rest. So your Bible's huge, right? It's littered throughout your entire Bible. So think of your Bible as like this big mosaic picture. All we're doing today is taking a tile from the beginning, a couple tiles from the middle, and then a tile from the end, okay? So it's not exhaustive. This is just a biblical way that we can think about rest as it arcs through our entire Bible. You guys ready to get after it? Cool. The first thing I want to tell you about today, and this is going to be familiar from last week, is that we rest for, not rest from. Point one, we rest for, not rest from, right? Because rest in our Bible isn't an escape from chaos. We're actually going to talk about escapism a little bit later today. Rest is not meant to be an escape from chaos. Rather, it's a grounding point for us to come together with God and for him to prepare us for what's happening next. And we'll kind of get, get to where we land on that from. I want to read you guys Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 
Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their host. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He set it apart. Because in it he rested from all of his work which God had made. And, and I really want to give you a couple takeaways from this thing. Before we get to that point, um, I want to let you know that our English language really doesn't help us much right here, right? We've seen that God rested twice. Um, and I think in our minds, when we hear the word rest, we're like, lazy boy, potato chips, Netflix, let's go, right? Um, but that's not the word our Bible uses. Our Bible uses the word Shabbat, which we'll get the word Sabbath, we'll get there in a minute. Um, but Shabbat actually means cease. It means to stop, right? And that word, I don't know if you felt what I just felt in the room, but y'all, that is something we are just not good at, right? The first takeaway is the original plan for rest wasn't we immediately hit the lazy boy. It means we immediately stop. Stopping is a problem. We talked last week that busyness is a symbol that we use, right? Hashtag no days off, right? Stopping's a problem. Did you know, I read a tech journal this past week, and the average American worker works 50 hours a week. So we've actually elevated the amount of time that we spend working. Of all those people polled, 48%, I mean a coin flip, one out of two, identifies themselves as a workaholic. They, in a positive light, see never ceasing the thing God said he was going to do. They see that as a badge of honor, makes no sense. And you know what it costs us? Can I tell you what it costs all of us? $190 billion is spent to address the physical and psychological effects of burnout. Y'all, not stopping, that engine can't run that long without fuel and rest forever. We talked about that last week, burnout is real. We're sleeping an hour less a night. We talked about that last week, we're working more. And that if burnout is not real, then we got to figure out what in the world is going on. Because did you know last year, and we talked about this last week too, last year, over 40 million people turned in a resignation to their boss. It was the most the Wall Street Journal had ever kept up with. More people quit something last year than ever before. God doesn't want you to, to cease your job or what you're doing or cease your responsibilities at home. But there is a way to make the chaos cease, right? So that first takeaway from that passage is, man, stopping can kind of be the problem that we all seem to experience. But like I said, we got to remember, God's not a God of chaos. If we're experiencing chaos in our life, God has a plan for that. And think about this. He's not going to put his name on something that does not expose his heart to his people. It said that God chose to take the seventh day and bless it. Which means, hey, this thing's seal of approval. This thing's good, right? But not only that, he sanctified it. Super church word, God decided to take the seventh day and actually sit it outside the other six. He said stopping is so important that I want it to be contrast to everything else that you're doing. Does that make sense? He's saying this thing is important to me, right? It's and we need to understand God's heart, right? It's easier to go on a date with my wife when I know her favorite restaurants, where she wants to go, all those different things. God is communicating, this is a love language thing of mine. This is my 
heart. Why? Because stopping buys us just amount enough time, right? Just a little bit of time on that seventh day to recenter and God say, hey, here's what we're resting for. Here's what's coming next, right? And how do I even arrive at that? Think about this. We talked about this last week too. Man, was man's first day on the job sweet or what? You get made on day six, come day seven, God's like, well, we got this garden thing we got to tend to, but you know what? We're taking the day off, right? Man's first day on the job is taking the day off. That's a pretty sweet deal. Adam fully knows where he's at and what's about to happen, right? He's implanted in the middle of a garden. God's desire is for him to tend that garden. Does that make sense? So God has a plan for some sort of work that Adam's going to do, but it's not normal work. Remember, we said kind of like last, last week, the work is kind of like whenever you have to wash clothes on vacation. It doesn't sting as bad, right? God wants to partner with Adam to do something on the planet, and before they get that moment, he says, we got to stop and get on the same page. God wants to partner with us to do work on the earth, but for us to go on the same page, man, we actually got to take a minute to literally stop and be present with him. And when it says he sanctified it, think about this. God's people, this became a tradition. The tradition became a commandment. It becomes a way of life that God wants to see his people follow literally the entire rest of their days. And think about the seventh day. Like, we're going to go through the Bible, and you're probably already familiar with a ton of stories, and you're like, man, the world's a messed up place. It tends to stay chaotic, so how does this thing play out? Well, God always wants his people to remember, no matter how chaotic the world is, and he's going to have a plan to deal with it forever is it that we can still experience a little piece of a seventh day here and there. We can still experience a little bit of that Eden moment if we would just stop and give him that time. We rest for what we're going to do, not rest from all the whatever that the world gives us, right? But biblical rest should look like something, right? It should look like something. I want to show you point number two is that rest should restore us. Rest should restore restore us. God would not have set it apart if he didn't intend for it to bridge a closer relationship to him. It's meant to restore us. So follow me for a second. You've heard this message. You're like, I'm putting it into practice, pastor. I took a day off, right? So you took a day off. You put your phone on silent. Put your out of office on. Don't email me. All I'm going to do is delete it. I'm not even looking at it, right? You've communicated to everybody you know I'm taking a me day, and then it gets quiet, and you're by yourself, and you're like, what do I even do? <laughs> right? I don't know. So last year, um, my wife, my daughter, they went on a girl's trip with my mother-in-law, and so I had like four days at the house by myself. So like, you know, in the first hour, I cleaned the entire house and cut the grass, right? And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dude, I don't even know what to do when I'm by myself, right? I don't even know what to do when I actually have a minute to rest. I'm like that person from point one, right? I need to learn to stop a little bit. But what I like to do is propose to you, I believe there's a tale of two paths we can take when it comes to like when we actually do decide to stop. And it's not that different from that same scene in the garden where God lets us make the original decision, right? That apple's in front of us. Hey, does God get to be God and we don't need it? Or do I decide I'm going to be God today, take for myself and make for myself, right? When it comes to rest, it's kind of the tale of two paths, right? We can either do things which... Um, you know, we, we kind of self-preserve and we kind of take care of ourselves and we self-rescue uh, and we do a couple things our way. Um, or we could actually allow that time to be positively spent with God and he's going to be able to do some things that we're unable to do. So what I'm going to read you is a passage of scripture. It's Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. 
Um, to help you set your brain before we all read it aloud, um, there's a group of people called the prophets, and they're at a time in, is, in Israel's history where all the nations and people groups around Israel are occupying the Holy Land, and God's people really don't know how to act, right? They've kind of lost their identity in him, and they, they really don't have anything to anchor to at this point. So Isaiah is like confronting all these spiritual disciplines God gave his people that really aren't getting put into practice. Here's what's interesting. In this entire chapter, it has nothing to do with the Sabbath. Nothing. It has everything to do with fasting. The last two verses, Isaiah says something about the Sabbath. And I've been thinking about this all week. Like, why would he include another spiritual discipline in an entire chapter talking about fasting? And I had a thought. This is a me thought, so don't write this one down. Don't hold, don't hold the church accountable to this one. Perhaps what God is trying to communicate is that what matter is for fasting, time is for Sabbath. Here's what I mean. Um, think about all the different ways that God wants us to love him. He wants us to take a portion of something and take it away and fully believe, trusting him, that he can redeem everything even though it's not whole, right? So at fasting, we take away food or maybe we take away certain items or we take away social media, praise the Lord, you know, we remove something from our routine in hopes that whenever I think about that thing, I'm actually going to think about God and he's going to redeem all of it. That's our tithe too, right? We're going to give him the first part and he's going to redeem all of it. And that's kind of like Sabbath too. I'm going to break into my normal week and God, I'm going to give you a little bit of time because I believe that you can redeem all of it. Now, I want to read you the last two verses in Isaiah 58. Um, 13 to 14, it says, if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call, it, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, check this out, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will delight in the Lord and you will ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you the heritage of Jacob, your father, from the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah says, man, when it comes to the Sabbath, um, we don't want to do things our way. We want to be able to do things God's way. And what that looks like is us not choosing that day off as an escape. And we talked about, we're going to talk about escapism a little bit. You know, that's a real thing. Escapism defined is the tendency to distract and relieve unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy. We'll make up not real things to submerse ourselves in, to not have to experience the real thing. We'll take anything, we'll do anything, we'll drink anything, all to not feel anything. Because if we can escape, if we can take our little bit of rest time just to escape from all the chaos, then I can make all the noise stop. King David wrote in um, Psalms 84, it's not coming on the screen, I just want to read it to you, Psalms 84, 10, 4. A day in your court is better than a thousand outside of it. I would rather stand in the threshold, I'd rather be in the door of your house, Lord, than dwell in the tents of wickedness, right? We have to avoid escaping, man. That, that's when we take matters into our own hands, the real withdrawal from chaos. God says, no, 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 I want you present with me. I want your full attention. I want you to meet. And that actually brings honor to him. It says to not even indulge in your own pleasure, right? So even on your rest day, Isaiah is saying, don't do your work. 
right? Don't do your leisure. Don't do your thing. And why is that? Because oftentimes, whenever we seek our own pleasure, it's a form of sedating and medicating ourselves. It's still just keeping that escape, escapist cycle running. We binge everything. Y'all even binge the good things, right? We even overdo the good things sometimes. We binge food. We binge TV. We binge screens. We binge everything. But our Bible, that's not the trajectory God wants us on in our Bible. When he left us some writings in Ecclesiastes, we actually used one of these last week to think about something. Um, you're not going to see anything come on the screen. I just want you to think for a second. Um, we're told in, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes that pride is a precursor to sin. The more time I spent on my own pleasure is less time I spent I spend on connecting with what God wants for my life, right? And check this out. The writer of Ecclesiastes even says this. Even the best pleasures don't restore the burned out, hurt, wounded, tired, and most crushed, vulnerable parts of us. Ecclesiastes 2.1. I'm just going to read it to you guys. Just, just, just hear and feel this for a second because you're going to be able to relate. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself, and behold, it too was futility. Wow. Even the best things in the world, even if we got to enjoy them for a lifetime, still at the end of the day, they didn't really move the needle, right? They really didn't move the needle for us. Later on in our Bible, you know, we, we, Jesus is like talking about like how, like, Jesus, how do I invest on things in this planet? Like, not even financially, just time, just anything. And Jesus seems to think that we should invest in things of eternal significance. He says, don't lay up treasures where things are going to get destroyed. Don't, don't, don't get so focused and enamored of the things of this world that you've lost track of investing in the things that actually go past the grave. So what does it look like to, God, to give God my rest day, Right? It's to store up things that are treasures in heaven. Do you know what passes through the grave? Relationships do. That's like the only thing that can pass through the grave. This sweet Iron Man shirt I'm wearing on up under here, <laughs> as sweet as it is, it ain't coming with me. But a right relationship with God allows me to spend eternity with him. And man, just spend time sharing that story with everybody else. Now I know all my friends and family are coming with me too. Those are the things that on a rest day God wants you investing in. It's relationships, deep meaningful relationships. It says to speak less too. I think that's really funny, right? Speak less. Don't do your own word. Man, this is a hard thing to think about, but like God's God, right? And so there are like different parts of God that are equal to God. So me saying something is not like me. God saying something is like God. Does that make sense? Like he's God. And so by him saying, listen, I don't want you doing all the talking, right? I need you doing a little bit more of the listening. God said that even if his people listened to him, he'd give them everything that they had to, that was owed to them, deserved to them. He'd give them their heritage of their father Jacob. He'd give them the heritage of Israel. David wrote in Psalm 139, and I was thinking about this. He said, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. And if there's anything hurtful in me, lead me to an everlasting way. Y'all, we, we had to be quiet one time in a class I had. We had to do like an hour prayer retreat. Um, so for one hour, you said nothing. You didn't write anything. You just sat there and you just listened. And man, is this not the best blueprint in the world for time spent with God? God, would you just take a minute? I'm not doing all the talking. The world's a mess. I help make it a mess. I'm not going to talk for a minute. Um, would you search my heart? And more importantly, would you search my brain? 
would you just comb through everything that's not of you? And God, secondly, would you break that off? Would you break off those things? God, would you give me a clean mind? Would you give me a clean heart? I don't need to know how to talk right now. I can't convince you of nothing. I'm asking you right now, would you give me these things? And more importantly, I want to go where you go next. Lead me in an everlasting way. But here's the thing. You're hearing this and you're like, does that mean I need to practice the Sabbath? Does that mean that I need to take a day off? Like, wait a second, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not a Jewish person from 1,000 B.C. Like, I don't even know what to do with this stuff. But I want to let you know something. Um, God's people struggle with this. They don't, like, rarely ever get this thing right. So if you're hearing this thing, you're like, man, I still got a lot of work to do. We're all in the same camp, which is why we need Jesus. Y'all, you can't come to Ready at Church and not hear about Jesus. Point three, Jesus is rest in person form. Jesus is rest in person form. Remember that question. We started with a question today, right? How do I enjoy my life when it seems so chaotic? And I'd be willing to bet if you haven't followed Jesus long, you're experiencing what I'm about to say right now. And if you have for a long time, you're going to remember this from your past. But at some point in your life, you probably were under the impression that following Jesus is chaotic as well. It's not organized because I went to my parents' church and they told me this. I went to other church and they told me that. This denomination is this. That denomination does that. This doesn't seem like this has a lot of order to this. But that's not what Jesus said following him would feel like. He said it's going to be hard, right? Your family members may not get it. Your life is going to constantly be changing. That friction is going to grow you. He said it was going to be, it still was going to be hard, but he has a plan for it right? He has a plan for that. I have a note here. I think it's funny. Nobody laughed in 830. So if you guys could, hey, this is a laugh cue. You ready? I have a note here that says um, that following Jesus transforms our life over time. doesn't require legalism. Um, you don't have to be a rocket scientist with a degree in brain surgery to follow, insert laugh. There we go. To follow Jesus. He didn't think it was chaotic. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30. Jesus said this, man, Somebody's going to become free of something here in just a minute. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus just said about himself what God said about a commandment in a day. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. A lot of literal here, right? Jesus says, when you don't have it together, when you're experiencing chaos, the first thing you do is you come to me. He says, if you're experiencing any symptoms, and if I ask people to raise hands, everybody's hands going up right now, right? If you're experiencing these symptoms, Jesus says, I want you to come to me. The series we completed before this one was called That's What He Said. It was all about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus decided to spend his first moments in the sermon saying this, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Can I tell you, that verse has helped me more than any other verse or piece of scripture than any other piece of scripture in the Bible recently because you know what I hear in that? Blessed are the people who are just trying to get it right. Blessed are the people who know what to do, can't seem to get it done. Blessed are the people that got a Bible, man, they just, for some reason, they got a hesitation to pick it up. Blessed are the people who are just trying to get it right. See, he lived in farming time, like an agrarian time, right, where like, Farming is, is such a way of life uh, on a micro scale, not like a big macro scale like we have today. So, he's, so everybody's really familiar with this language. So when he says 
something like my yoke is easy, my burden's light. What he's saying in the literal term is, you know that ox that walks around like doing all this work? I want to come alongside you and I want to carry and shoulder all that weight that you're carrying and walk it with you. And here's the thing I wanted to tell you, and I made sure that I, I, I didn't do a good job, Nate, they're going to make sure I do it right now. It's not just that he wants to carry all the things everybody in the world already knows in public you struggle with. Jesus wants to carry a thing in private no one knows about. He says, I want that. But there's a figurative to it as well, right? There's a thing called a rabbi's yoke. So um, a rabbi's yoke is essentially like, hey, um, I'm going to give uh, like allegiance to this rabbi who has a very specific interpretation of the Hebrew Bible, right? So just like in, in our church, we give allegiance to Pastor Brandon, and that helps shape our, the way we see our Bible and the way we like, we can say all the same sayings from time to time. That's the exact same thing Jesus is saying. He says, hey, what everybody else hates doing because of hundreds of laws and tons of legalism, I want to do the opposite. He says that my interpretation is easy. Following me doesn't have to be hard. It literally has to be a step. That's all it has to be. Jesus says that he is in person form what God wanted for us for all time when it comes to rest. In the next chapter, he'll even go on a temple and heal somebody and says, is it not lawful to do good on the Sabbath? I am Lord of the Sabbath. We can trust Jesus, and we can trust that a relationship with him, man, it's going to bring us a piece of that Eden rest every time we go to him, right? Anytime we go to Jesus, we can get a piece of Eden, but the best part is the plan's not over. He actually has a plan to deal with it forever. So I want to give you our fourth and just final point, and it's so simple. It's just the word final, or two words, final rest, right? Final rest. Reading this now, I wish I would have came up with something more clever, but that's what we're going to work with at this point. So remember this. This time last week, um, things didn't feel as warm and fuzzy, right? We read this verse um, to where uh, Adam and Eve have made a decision to go against God. They wanted to be God for a moment. And because of that, sin has entered the world. And we kind of, we read the repercussions of that, right? That um, for the ladies, hey, creating life is going to come at a cost now. For the guys, sustaining life is going to come at a cost. The ground is cursed. You're from the dust. You're going to return to the dust, right? Like not the prettiest picture um, at all. But what we're doing over this entire arc of our Bible is we're trying to resolve that original problem. Right? God wanted to give his people rest. He gave them a pattern to do it. It didn't really work out. He gives us Jesus, so he puts it in the form of a person. So we feel like we're spending our entire Bible like racing to this red light. Right? We get to Jesus. You're like, man, I've got a relationship with Jesus now. Um, I'm going to church. i got friends that go to church. Um, I'm taking regular time off. Um, but there still seems to be a little bit of chaos in the world, right? It, it's because we are still living out Jesus' final plan to take care of that forever. Once we get to the point of Jesus, that is God's plan in its entirety fulfilled. So think about this. Jesus' resur- Think about what Jesus' resurrection does, right? By resurrecting from the grave, he's proven he has power over chaos. If he's got power over chaos, it means he's proven he has power that he can reverse the curse. Remember that rever- curse I said we talked about? Not only does he have power to deal with the curse, but he has power to deal with all evil. How 
and when he chooses to do so. And we're still living out part of that to this day. And we learned that Jesus is that person we were looking for the entire time when God said, hey, somebody's coming. He's going to be a human, just like you guys. He's going to experience everything that you guys experience. But he's going to be able to deal with death and chaos in such a way that we're going to have hope in this lifetime, major, major hope for a lifetime to come. I want to show you Revelation chapter 22, 3. This should give you a little bit of closure. It says, there will no longer be any curse in the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his bond servants will serve him. Did you guys know there are over 1,100 chapters in your Bible, only two of them do not fall under this curse? Genesis 1, Genesis 2. That's it. This gets resolved, Revelation 22, 3. And I love, what I love about this verse is when God deals with everything in its entirety and we can finally experience Eden literally forever. Would you look who all is there? It says, there will no longer be any curse in the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and his bondservant. God's there, the lamb, right? The human person who is God, who can take away all those sins, undo our mess and give us a right relationship with God, Jesus. And who else? Everybody filled with his spirit. Everybody there who loves and serves the Lord and the curse is undone. See, because of Jesus, we can experience restoration in this life when we stop, right? When we, when we stop, when we take that time serious, when we take that time to focus on Jesus, we're going to get a piece of Eden, right? But a relationship with him, dude, it goes past the grave. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't want appetizer portions my whole life. Like, I want at the end of my day to hear, well done, good and faithful, Come on, you're going to experience Eden from forever from now on out. And it's because of Jesus' resurrection, him beating this curse, eventually we're all going to get to share that. So what I hope for you today, man, I just hope you heard a couple things, like I said, that kind of took some of those cracks in your life. And you're like, yeah, I don't stop. I definitely like, I say I stop, but I really don't stop, stop. You know what I mean? Or maybe you're, maybe you're saying to yourself, like, yes, I, I take a little bit of time off, but Man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things, and I'm saying things, and I'm just going down a path that's leading me worse than I was before, right? Or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe no one's ever told you that, man, this is not the best it ever gets as a follower of Jesus. You get a piece of eating this lifetime, you get it forever in the lifetime to come. So what I want to tell you is I'm about to pray. Um, man, that whatever you heard today, like, continues to work on you, number one, but number two, um, don't leave here without taking some sort of next step with this message. And it's so simple. And uh, you can even tell your boss, we'll write permission slips for you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Take a day off. Take a day off. Take some time off. Don't medicate, man. Don't fill it with a bunch of stuff. Man, let God be God. Focus on Jesus a little bit. And let's experience some rest that we're going to be able to forever. Amen? Cool. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for everything that you've done in our room today, thank you for your word. Man, you've given us a lot to think about, um, about rest in this lifetime and, wow, ultimately rest in the next lifetime. God, we pray that you just take um, today's message and just continue, continue to, man, just illuminate places in our life where we're not properly resting, God. We're not properly stopping and focusing on you for our future. God, continue to work on us in that way in our lives. And I want to say, hey, why your heads are still down right now? And Man, we're in a little bit of a reverent moment just hanging out, just me and y'all. Um, 
Maybe you heard something today and you're like, hey, I haven't quite formed a relationship with Jesus. Um, I want to let you know that, uh, man, you're not alone in that. Can I tell you that even in our kids' ministry and our kids, we had a kid make a decision for Jesus today for the very first time? Life change is happening. You don't have to miss out on it. So while every head's still bowed, man, I just want to ask if there's anybody who says, I want to place a relationship uh, in Jesus for the first time, man. Today's no turning back moment, right? All the things that got me here won't get me there, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to put all my faith and trust in Jesus. If that's you, man, would you take just a moment just to just lift your hand up just for a minute? We don't do anything weird here. If we did, none of us would work here. It would be strange. Um, all we want to do is have the opportunity to put a clipboard in your hand because um, that lets us know that, hey, you made a big decision today. We want to give you a Bible. We want to be able to connect with you. And so I just want to give everybody a minute. Wow, man, it looks like everybody's faith is secure in Jesus. That's really exciting. If you privately want to make that decision, we have a care corner um, that's available to you if you're, if you're live on campus right now. We have a team of folks who would love to pray with you. Uh, if you're online, we have a team of folks who are watching that chat right now for your decisions. But I'm just going to conclude this prayer, give a big amen, and then you're going to hear from your campus host today. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your word. It's inspiring us. It's changing us. Let us keep living it out. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys make some noise. Woo!